0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell, Danny Back to throw versus Denver. He's his tight end and Raja Bell. Bell has done everything. Twenty-two
1: for Rajah.
0: It's the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. I got chills. Yeah, he's fired up, man. That's look at that. Ah, uh, that's when it started to get me. Yeah, that's, where it's, <laughs> that's when That's it started to get me.
1: Oh man, what a weekend! This is Canel and Bell hanging out Monday after the Masters. Tiger Woods back at the top of the golf world. Uh, just checking out some of those highlights. I'm getting goosebumps again. It's tearing up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did you cry yesterday when you watched it? No. How oh, can you not send him that? No, like, no, no. I, I mean, was I... bawling. Like, Where were you? Oh my <laughs> gosh. I was watching it with my daughters, and I was explaining to them sure. like what with the magnitude of everything he's been through. Yeah. And uh when the, when he hugged his kid, and he had his son there and his daughter, yep. Charlie and Sam, and he gives him the hug, and just like the emotion, I lost it. I was yeah. like, this is unbelievable. What we're witnessing.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I could see where you might. I, I didn't, um, but I'm a crier, though. I, I, I was movies. I'll cry. I'm sorry. I'll cry too. I yeah. didn't get there yesterday, but I was moved. Like it, I, I felt, you know, we'll get into the way he played and, you know, what, where that stacks up in terms of him hunting people down and, 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 and all of that. But in terms of like, and we were arguing with Coco off air. Yeah. This is a human story. This is a, this isn't, this like transcends golf for me. This is someone that not too long ago, Seem to have hit rock bottom at at a personal level. And whether it was his fault or not, the point was he was a shell of a person that we remembered. And uh, I wondered whether we'd ever see this guy again. Uh, My kids certainly don't know him. They played all his video games. They hear daddy talk about how Tiger is in. They've seen daddy sitting at the, at the TV just waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. And then he, and then he's never really gotten it done. So they don't know. And then for them to see it yesterday, there's a whole generation of people that that are that have never been exposed to this. So to see him rise from the ashes, so to speak, uh, and regain this form and then to have his kids there and his mom and you know, I just thought it was awesome, dude. I that's I,
1: where I that's where it got me because and we've talked a little bit about this, like one of my like I wish my kids could have seen me play. Mm-hmm. Like so I understand that me feeling too. of you know, just to have them to have a photo op, to have them see dad in his uniform, like all that stuff is really cool. And I'm sure Tiger had those very real feelings too. Because yeah, they can see a lot of it on TV and I'm sure right. they, they know Tiger's some they know dad is something special. But to actually get to take in that moment and share it with them, that's one of that's cause I could relate to that somewhat to mm-hmm. some extent. I was like, What an unbelievable feeling of accomplishment. Like and he even said that's what made that one so special. And then when they showed the flashbacks in ninety seven when he was hugging his dad mm-hmm. and his dad passed away and now he's hugging his son, like the generational ties, like all of that just kept tugging on me and that's What's part of makes it a great story? Um, I came out yesterday and, and sent a tweet and it was, I hope everyone's appreciating watching the greatest comeback in all of sports history. Uh, there were some haters on there. Coca's a hater in our control room, our producer. Sure. I don't understand that. I understand if you want to have a debate, like sure. there are other incredible comebacks, but I don't know if you've had somebody with, that's the greatest at what they do fall as far. To where you just said it, we, I didn't know if he would play competitively again. There were certain points when I don't think he knew if he would play competitively again. Then it's like, can he compete? Can he make a cut? And to get back to the point where now we've seen him actually get to the pinnacle of the sport, that's what I think makes it so special. And it was, it wasn't just an injury, it was his personal life. Sure. It was
0: all of it. His, his, you know, it was his family because he he lost his wife. It was, you know, left him, people dropped. Out of his camp, they left him for dead. People yes. wanted no part of him. Yep. I mean, I remember having the argument—not to cut you off—with—with—with with, with my in-laws and, and 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 different people about you know whether or not. You could respect anything he had ever done because of, of what he had done in his, in his personal life and where he was. You know, there were people yeah. that were all out, completely out. And I didn't hold any, you know, hey, it's your choice to be that way, you know? But then when you factor in the back and so on and so forth, if you want to have an argument with me about whether or not his comeback solely on the golf course yesterday from the two stroke lead, uh, for Molinari and Tiger coming back and winning it, where that stacks up all time, there are probably a lot of other performances like in an event that might beat that, but in terms of overall, right? I'm with you, dude.
1: Best. Ever. That's where I feel like it is. And you know, you talked about the people leaving him, sponsors left him, friends left him, everybody Gone. Left them for dead, and. It's also in an era where we talk a lot about it. And there were some epic videos yesterday of people, you know, golf experts, one Brandel Chamblee, we talked (laughs) about his because He's like, he'll never be the same. He'll never golf again. Like, he's never going to win again ever. Don't even think about it. And everybody said it. Mm -hmm. Like, a a lot of people had that type of set because it was so bad. I mean, we were just watching clips before when he's trying to hit a driver or a three-wood off the deck, and he goes down in a heap of pain. You know? And so I think – Again, like, don't come at me with, you know, we got people tweeting at me saying, oh, well, the 3-1 comeback for the Cavs to win a title. Like, Stop. that's stupid. Stop. If you want to, like, I think legitimately, I was looking this up, because Ben Hogan, same sport, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's arguably maybe the, one of the top three or four golfers in the history of the sport, had an incredible comeback from a car accident. He, they were, uh, he and his wife were in a head-on collision with a Greyhound bus. Okay. And this is, of course, in 1949, so we don't really know about it. But this but is the But I was researching the now. history, yeah. And he came, uh so he broke... He had a double fracture of the pelvis, a fractured collarbone, a left ankle fracture, a chip rid, and near-fatal blood clots. He would suffer lifelong circulation problems after that. His doctor said he might not ever walk again, let alone play golf competitively. While he was in the hospital, his life was endangered by a blood clot problem, uh, problem uh, and he had to tie off his vena cava. I don't even know what that means. Okay. Uh, but he walked out of the hospital 59 days later, and then he came back to win again on tour, won majors. Like That's an incredible story. Yes. If you want to have that debate with me, then we can do that. But don't come at me with... We, 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 Coca, give me some of your examples. What Sean was it, Livingston. Yeah, don't even come in here with that. because There are always – like you can find a lot of guys who come back from an ACL. Mm-hmm. You can find a lot of guys who come back. Paul George, he said. Yeah, because yeah, it was a nasty, ugly incident. Yeah. Peyton Manning had a bunch of neck surgeries. It was cool. But all of it, the physical, the mental, the personal, all of it, you cannot come close to doing
0: what he did and going through what he did. There was a time – you know, on 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 the back end of it, as he's starting to climb again, and he any he, he you know, he's let the personal stuff go, and he wants to play golf again. I, I, were they at the World Hero Challenge or somewhere? He was chili dipping. Yes, little yes. Little, little chips around. He the had green. the yips. He was he had the yips. This he was fractured as as a golfer, mm-hmm. and he put those pieces back together. And what I'll say to a, a, a Brandel Chambly or or anyone who really just completely. Um, gave him no chance to ever regain form. Y- you probably couldn't see it because you can't do it, right? It takes it takes a different kind of dude, and I'm. It's not just Tiger; they're out there. I mean, you're talking about the Tom Brady's, you're talking about the the MJs, you're talking about those champions of champions that can do what it takes to get back. And your ordinary layman, even myself, you might not be able to picture it. It seems impossible because you you don't have what it would take to do that right you know what i mean yep uh it was really fun to watch the front nine i was like francisco
1: molinari is gonna win this i was like the guy's money he's like even keeled he kept making like Like a robot 10 footers that he was just dropping in like nothing Mm -hmm. and then you saw other challengers rise and it started to get really interesting dustin johnson started challenging the leaderboard brooks kepko was right up there uh there's patrick cantley comes out of nowhere he's on there which is exactly what we wanted it was the drama Mm There was a line from David Duval, which I think is epic, and it came like when – it was probably about a year and a half ago. David Duval works for the Golf Channel, and everybody was talking about Tiger Woods coming back, and a lot of the young guys had been on record saying, we want him to come back. We want a taste of what it feels like to go against Tiger on Sunday. Careful. And David Duval said, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> and I think it was like at the end of last year. Now you got to see it. And I do think – like. Brooks Kepka, who's been money, had an opportunity to have to birdie 18, missed mm-hmm. the putt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Francisco Molinari collapsed pretty bad. I mean, he was on the par five, and he dropped the ball in the water. Like, it was getting pretty ugly. Uh, other guys, Cantlay, he had the eagle to get up there, and his name was on the leaderboard, he and then cratered. He Nick, was in the lead. Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, he bogey, bogey, bogey. Like, just yeah. fell off the rails. Uh, I think that's the type of presence that Tiger Woods has. And I think it does have an impact. I think guys are realizing, be careful what you wish for. Absolutely. Which does beg the question now, what's next? Because now he's got 15 majors. Mm-hmm. He's got to get to 18 to catch Jack. I think now that's the debate that has to be had. He's 43 years old. He's still – uh Jack won one of his at 46. I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to scare it. Like, I think he'll get close to it. And, I, I mean, if I was betting, which you probably can – It's a long-term bet. I would
0: say he does get it. Um, I'm not betting against that dude anymore. Four back surgeries is scary. So I'm with you. If he stays healthy, I would bet that he probably gets it done. Um, But four back surgeries in the back is one of those things that you're just one misstep away or one police slide into your ankle away from having to catch yourself and now you've Throwing a disc out of that was actually hilarious to me. That guy was yes, the hot security guard, and yeah, trying to like keep yeah. patrons back, and he slid into him. I mean, what, how um, bad would that have? Been? Oh my if he goodness. would have like torn his <laughs> or rolled his ankle like t- uh, Tony Fiena right. did. That could have been one of the worst uh, epic mistakes. He's in a fifty to one bet right now to win the Grand Slam, something that's never been done in golf. Forty three year old, four time back surgery, um, the uh, fifty to one to, to yeah. win the Grand Slam. I don't yeah. think he does that. No, uh, but I PGA Championship has been moved up this year. It's a month out. Right, yep. And don't forget – but see, here's where the good – so are you saying that's good uh, or bad? I think it's good for him. Right, and it's
1: also a place where he's won. At Beth Bates Page, Black.
0: right? And then you got – um
1: U.S. Open as at Pebble Beach, a place where he had one of the most historic, epic, dominant performances in the history of golf. I think he might get another one this year. I know. Yeah. It's crazy to say that. Like, we would have never had that conversation. And also – so here's where I think one of Tiger's greatest edge is now he's got the intimidation factor back. Mm-hmm. Because before, I think a lot of those guys were saying, yeah, we want a chance at Tiger. Now they're like, uh-oh. If they see Tiger on the board, they know he's a factor, and that puts more pressure on them to produce.
0: The doubt starts to creep, and it's in. going to have a pretty uh, incredible, uh, you know, effect on them. To your point, and purely from a golf perspective, I thought Tiger was okay yesterday. Right. I, I I thought he made a timely, he made a few timely shots that applied even more pressure than his name and, and presence alone applied. Yep. But generally speaking, he even alluded to it. He just plotted his way around the court. Yep. Around the course, and guys just got a little shook. Yep. They
1: right. fell apart. He didn't. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, his biggest criticism from along of his critics were he's never come from behind in a major. He's always led with 54 holes and then just maintained the lead. But Jack Nicholas said that was a great philosophy because then you don't have to press. Right. And you don't have to try to do things. And I think other guys started pressing. They started getting nervous to your point. Like the, I think the shot on 16, the par three when he almost, like almost made a hole that's in huge, one. That's huge. That was, I think the shot of the tournament. Mm-hmm. That's the one you'll remember, uh, for Tiger Woods. Here's a little bit of Tiger after uh his round talking a little bit about the challenges he faced
0: uh he could have had more drama um than what we ha- we all had out there and oh, nine know why I'm bolding um, <laughs> 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 this stuff You're is hard on. <laughs> 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 just yeah uh just to come back here and then to play as well as I did and did all the things all the little things well this week. Um, and to do it here uh, this has meant so much to me and my family uh, this tournament and uh, to have everyone here uh, It's something I'll I, never ever forget
1: I think he's been handled this better than everybody else like I said I was crying yeah. like a lot of people were crying <laughs> I mean, the fans were going nuts and he definitely had an exuberant moment but I think he, like that right there's clearly exhausted like he had to wake up at 4 a.m to make sure he had to wake up his back. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the biggest question mark for me is the health. If he stays healthy, I think he'll get there. But it's a huge question mark. Even during this weekend, I was really nervous about the weather because we talked about it a little bit early before the tournament. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And there was the one time they had a 40-minute delay. I'm like, how does he come back from that? And he didn't come back great. Right. If there's any setback with his health, then I think again. But the guy's already come back from so much. Like, what's to
0: say he wouldn't do it again? The type of guy you just don't bet against.
1: Right. You really oh, don't. You like, do And it's been the same thing with, uh, with Tom Brady. Like, yeah. Don't bet against don't the Patriots and Belichick and MJ, free. don't exactly. bet him against them. For LeBron. LeBron getting to the finals. Yeah. Like, just don't do it. He's one of the most clutch dudes we'll, uh, we've ever seen in the game. Uh, so the PGA championship odds, what you were talking about, Tigers the favorite,
0: 8-1. to one. I, I think Beth Page was going to be tough for him to win. Yeah, it is more of a, it, grind. it is a challenging, challenging walk of a course. Yep. Uh, and just uh, those, those are going to push him to a limit that a 43-year-old golfer with a bad back I, I would I would bet the field in that one I think Pebble right. is that's place more
1: perfect for him because also to your point uh, Beth Page is really and it it's going to be a challenge to drive the ball he's still spraying it a little bit mm-hmm. but he's but Augusta's not that hard of a driving course either because it's so pristine the the first cut is not that unbearable but if you hit it in the rough at the you're in the you know, fescue is, over in, there. Yeah, you're, you're gonna you're, you're could, chopping out. You could be blown up there. The no odds to win next year's Masters. He's also the favorite eight to one. Again, I'm gonna wait and see how things go before <laughs> like I put a you. bet on that one. You know, I'm gonna wait a bit. Uh, <laughs> you all right, cash in though. Yeah, exactly, in, exactly. Nice exactly. Deal, though. Yeah, I did. So I, I took Tiger to win any major this year. I didn't think it would hit this soon. Like right. you and I talked about. It. Like I thought he would be top ten. Like that was as bold as I was Just gonna get, get ready to go. But I felt awesome about him after sunday and watching him like even on the first hole on sunday when he striped his three wood right there and there was a confidence about his walk Mm -hmm. you could just see it yeah you You could could tell there was something different about him a confidence factor that was there all right All right. Welcome back to Ken and Bell. Uh A little more dis- uh, discussion on the Masters because I was there on Saturday, mm-hmm. which we talked about. I was rubbing it in. I got my hat
0: my yeah. lid on. Do you like the lid? Uh, the yeah, I do old like school. the lid. I like, like the little
1: lid. the braided thing yeah, there yeah, yeah. across You know what I didn't like?
0: Allow me real quick and yeah. keep your thought. Yeah. That's old school, and I dug it. Adam Scott's pants – or oh, the pleated pants? With the pleats? Yeah. Uh,
1: they got to go away. Awful look. Can't do that. Awful look uh yeah. for him there. Uh Definitely got some gear. I actually got you something uh, there that I got to get to tomorrow. I forgot to bring it in today, yeah. so I'll get that to you tomorrow. Right. Uh, it's a really cool experience. Like, it's a bucket list item. It's obviously really super hard to get into. The rules are over the top. Yeah. Like, so it was one of the weirdest things for me, but it was kind of refreshing, was no cell phones. Like, you go there, and you are leaving your cell phone at the door like don't even bring it on the grounds. so they they, they they pat you down they have a wand they have like a, a metal detector and they'll say no and you have a checkpoint where you can leave your phone you can do all that so once you're in like so i was there with a couple other guys a couple of our bosses and we were there and we went into the store to get some gear mm-hmm. and it was packed and it's like a mass, it's like a pretty big store so you can kind of get lost so i was like the plan was we're going to shop and like the, it was jammed so like we'll meet outside so we go old and I go out That's yeah old school, school. <laughs> like you got to meet somewhere right. so we come out and I get out and I'm like oh shoot and I felt like I took a long time so I'm looking around like where is everybody so I'm waiting and I was getting kind of nervous like a little kid I couldn't right. no right. way right. thankfully they came out about 5 minutes later but it was that time then That's we great. actually one of our bosses we got split up and we lost him for the rest of the day I was like we never re- we never uh got connected again mm-hmm. cuz we couldn't text and say hey meet us at this certain spot one of the things that I thought was really cool. Obviously the food is part of it, the pimento cheese sandwiches, the egg salad sandwiches. Mm-hmm. It's all like prices that like that's it's really cool. Uh but like celebrity watching. Like people oh, watching. see. So, outside the shop, we're uh sitting there and uh the buddies that were there were like, "Hey, there's Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, like he's big dude, mm-hmm. like he stands mm-hmm. out." And then so we're looking at him like, "Well, wait a second. That's Sam Darnold right there with him. They were there together." Mm-hmm. Later I go, uh, we're in the line to grab a beer and sitting there, like two people in front of us, Marcus Mariota and I know Marcus. So we ended up talking to him, could not have been a nicer kid. Like he, and I've always like covered him when he was at Oregon. Sure. He's, he was talking to all the people in line. Uh, so you see that Michael Phelps walked right by Michael Phelps when he was there. He was there the whole weekend. Like, right. We saw him behind saw him the him shot, shot on you. 16 right. and he had like a mob of people around. The thing was funny about Darnold, the quarterbacks that were there, like they kind of just went like kind of just under the, the radar. Nobody saw him. Justin Tuck, former New York Giant. I ran into a teammate of mine in the Denver Broncos. Mike Leach, his name is. He was a long snapper. Hadn't seen him in probably 10, 12 years. Ran into him just randomly walking around. So we got to catch up a little yeah. bit. But it's like, it's part of like,
0: then you see all the Any outside, winners. any outside the, um, outside the scope of sport celebrity that you saw?
1: No, not too many. I'm sure they're, I'm there. It's like there. Yeah, but you, you didn't know? run into him. I got no, it. No, I didn't run into him. It. So, but it was cool. And everybody there, it's kind of, I don't know if it's Southern hospitality or if it's just everybody's on cloud nine because you feel so happy to be there. It really friendly. And when you're in these galleries watching, I will say this. Golf is a really hard sport to watch as a spectator because it's just so spread out. And, I mean, I didn't, I'm not complaining, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's hard to see what's going on. The best spot to watch is Amen Corner. Like, if you realize why it's a special place. That's where a lot of the action starts to take place. But also from a viewing standpoint, you can see the approach shots on 10 and the putts on 10, and you see the T shot on the par 3, 11, and you can see them put out there. So you can see a lot and just be in one place. How, and there's a beer stand right behind there.
0: How early do you have to be there to get a seat at one of those, at, at one of the greens? front row type of seat at one of them. Like,
1: I don't know if you've ever seen, like, on TV, sometimes they show it at the gate. They have, like, all these people at, like, 7 a.m., and they
0: sprint, they sprint. out, and they'll just put their chair there, and then they'll leave. So, okay, so that was my next question. Yep. What happens when you got to get up? Go to the bathroom. You don't necessarily have a buddy with you holding your spot. There, so do, this, do is, get this back is the cordial.
1: To your, this is the, this is probably kind of the cooler things. So if you get your seat and you put it there, this is what people do. There's little spots for a name tag on the back. Uh-huh. So they'll drop their seat. They'll leave for the rest of the day. Like they'll get 17 green or whatever green. They'll put it there and they'll leave for three hours and, and come, come back to catch a final group like yes. playing 17. So on, so, uh, Port and I, our boss were sitting there on the 18th T box and we, there were some seats there. I was like, there's no one there. Let's just sit there. So we sat there and watched for like a half an hour. And it was somebody else's seats. And if they come back, they would have said, excuse me, that's our seat. And we'd have been like, all right, fine. Take your seat. Oh, wow. So you get to like use these different seats. And like the best part. It takes part, a certain
0: type of person, though. It does. Not it's everybody's... kind of those
1: unwritten rules. Right, of, right, 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 oh, right, right, right. Like just, hey, you're going to. No, I like it. I mean, the rules. I mean. Yeah, but I can see it getting ugly, too. Like, some guy's like, hey, wait a second. This right. isn't your seat. That's great, though. I was always oh, was curious great. about that. If you got to get yeah. up and go somewhere. Next year, we're in. Yeah. I've already worked on it. That's what right. I was selling the whole time was Canel and Bell on location. See. I'm see. looking out for you. So we're going to do that next you. year. Oh, we're going to do it for My free. dude. All right. <laughs> what are they saying about me? <laughs> what do you mean? All right. uh The NBA playoffs. You're going to have to get me filled up, uh, filled into this one because with no cell phone for the entire day Saturday and then watching most of Tiger yesterday, yep. they caught up a little bit. So the Oklahoma sitter, uh, Oklahoma city thunder, just kind of mm-hmm. by way, just one word. <laughs> I don't even know what word it was. They lose and, uh, their opening round against the Trail Blazers. Um, uh, it was a good game. I actually caught the end of that game because I had taken the Blazers uh, minus three and a half. So I saw the end of that one, but Paul George said he couldn't lift his shoulder just four days ago. How big of a storyline is that going to be Uh, in this series
0: if Paul George is not 100%. And he still scored 20. I know. That's what I was going to say. He didn't shoot great. He came out in the post game and said that it was just a matter of, of rhythm for him because he hadn't shot the ball in four days. So uh, unless he is lying, I don't foresee it being a huge deal. They, uh, the Blazers are due for a playoff win. They were 0 and 0 in their last eight. They've been Mm -hmm. swept out of the playoffs the last two times they were there. CJ McCullum played great coming back on limited minutes for the last few games since he's been back from injury. Um, Damian Lillard was doing Damian Lillard things. And they got a huge night from Ennis Cantor. And Ennis is one of those guys that, you know, offensively, you know, because he's not a great defender, offensively, you know, people kind of overlook his contributions, but he was great yesterday. So you're on their court. They're due for a win. Two of their stars do what they're supposed to do, and they get a contribution from Ennis Cantor. I'm not too worried about that. If I'm Oklahoma City, uh, I would be a little bit more concerned with Russ. He tweaked his ankle. He was limping around a little bit after the game. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be more concerned with that. You can always get a shot, a shoulder, if it's like impinging or, you know, there's some sort of restriction because of swelling. I mean, at this point in the season, you always take a cortisone shot, give it two days, and then it, it usually frees it up. And you can deal with the whatever injury it is afterwards. But as a as a Oklahoma City fan, I'm not too worried. You would have liked to won Game One, right? But all you really got to do is come out and win Game Two on their court, and you're fine. So the reason I took Portland in this
1: one, remember they rested uh, McCollum and Lillard the final game of the uh, regular season. Yep. So I felt like they'd have fresh legs. It's that initial game, the first playoff at home. You're going to have a hyped up crowd. I think things will settle in a little bit. And then you can have the discussion after. Like if Portland goes up two zero, then it's a different discussion. Different discussion. And you
0: see how they look with some of those injuries that are creeping up to them. Absolutely. They were a more hungry team, too. Um If you saw some of the shots that Damian Lillard hit while they were from 30-plus feet, if you're a hungry defensive team, someone is up plastered to him. He was shooting those shots with seven feet of space. That's not real playoff intensity defense. So I I think that Oklahoma City is going to need to look at that film a little bit. And a lot of guys will sit around because in the midst of it, you think you're doing what you're supposed to do. That film the next morning or that next afternoon will show you, hey, man, you weren't locked in the way you thought you were locked in, Right, you'll get a different animal out of Portland. I mean, out of uh, OKC in game two.
1: Now, there was a more surprise. So that one wasn't a huge shock. Uh There was a surprising uh upset in round one yeah. with the Toronto Raptors losing to the Orlando Magic, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. You one. know, um, Milwaukee had the number one seed, but it was still like Toronto had 58 wins. They got Kawhi Leonard. That was the big move. But there's a recurring theme developing in Toronto in the playoffs, and it's been going on for some time. Kyle Lowry was held scoreless. And this is a dude where, love him, great attitude, but he's got some sort of mental hang-up in the playoffs. It's
0: unbelievable. This is a perennial all-star. Yes. He scored He disappears in the game yesterday. Yeah. This is a huge issue. He had some, a couple years ago when he was playing Cleveland, I don't know if you remember this, but he would have these bad games, mm-hmm. and then he'd throw his headphones on, he'd do a really quick press conference, and then he shoot. Be, be out there shooting. Yep, all night. I used to do that as a player. You do that in your... your your, your, your auxiliary gym where the eyes can't see you where it doesn't look like you're in search for something that you should already have um and I was a you know I, I was a role player your stars cannot be putting it out to the public that they are struggling mentally in playoff situations um it looked like last year he kind of found a rhythm at least a nice safe space where he did enough for Toronto to be a better playoff team this was a this was a poop show. He was really bad. And on the flip side of that, Orlando had seven players in double figures. Mm-hmm. All of their little role guys, not just their stars. They don't really have any real, real stars. But, like, uh, uh DJ Augustine was great. 25 points, big three to win the game. And everybody else chipped in the way they needed to. Kawhi, 25. Pascal Siakam, 24. Mark Gasol and Danny Green, 13 apiece. That was about it. That's not going to get it done. And I didn't see this one coming at all. But if Kyle Lowry is going to be bad epically bad. Yeah, they—they they are. This is going to be a dogfight.
1: I'm with you because there was when he when he had that performance against the Cavs and he was doing that. He was really, maybe to a fault, refreshingly honest. About yeah, it was his too, much. too you, much. You but you start pouring your heart out to the media, then other guys. Do you think guys use that in trash talk on the court? they'll use that against Possibly. Him. Like, you know, the playoff stuff. The uh, oh, yeah, that are he there. ain't built for
0: this. Right. You know he ain't built for this. Once right. he's 0 for 4, right. oh, yeah, he's with us. They're coming. <laughs> he's with us. He ain't built for this. You already know. yeah. Oh, yes. Exactly. Oh, yes. So then it becomes a thing, and then it
1: becomes this hurdle where even if he has a good game, which he had last year in the playoffs, then you're always like, is this – dud back in there and this is one when he goes zero for uh, zero points zero for seven from the field oh for six from three pointers uh, from the three-point line it's just as bad as it
0: gets do you think they're in trouble or do you think they'll be okay i think they'll be fine I, I i don't i know orlando's one of the hottest teams in the nba but i don't know that they have enough to do this over and over again to toronto i could be wrong i mean i didn't see this one coming this is the interesting part about the kyle lowry because a lot is on Kyle's shoulders right now in terms of whether they win or not. But even bigger picture, you're trying to entice Kawhi to stay. You're trying to show that you guys can be a viable Eastern Conference representative in the finals for years to come. If he doesn't trust that his number two is a playoff performer, mm-hmm That's an added level of responsibility that Kyle's got on his shoulders right now. You know he's letting a lot of people down with that. Right. It's going to be interesting to see how this
1: whole thing plays out because I think one of the important things, especially if you're a higher-seeded team, you want to take care of business and get to rest. Like you want to get through. Like the the Bucks, exactly. The Bucks handled their business. They won one twenty one eighty six. The Rockets had a really impressive win against the Jazz. You won't. You don't want to have these lingering questions that people are asking still, like us. And then the press starts doing it. Your coach
0: has got to get on you. It's just not a good situation. Every extra minute you have to play in the playoffs um, is a potential injury waiting to happen. And not just in that game, but the teams that are able to bank rest for their starters, that starts to pay dividends in round two, certainly shows up in in terms of uh, of an advantage in in round three if you make it that far. So getting those guys off the court, only having to play 30 minutes, I don't know if that's what Giannis played last night, uh, Golden State does it, you start to bank the rest for those stars, and it really pays off. You know who's in for a dogfight? Who? The Sixers.
1: Welcome back to Ken Ellen Bell hanging out, recapping the Masters, Tigers, epic performance, uh, NBA playoffs, bunch of stuff to get to today. Before we get into the, uh, Sixers net series. Mm-hmm. So Saturday morning, got there late Friday night, Saturday morning, we're standing like, we rented a house in this little community and there was a, uh, gym. Yeah. The community. So I was like, let's go get a workout. And so we we're working out. Better than me. Roy McElroy was in there. Oh, word! You know what he did, which I think was a total boss move? He had the earbuds in. Uh huh. And he was on the whole time. And I think he was talking to his trainer because it sounded like – he was like, all right, so what's next? And he was getting the, but didn't get off, like, call back. Like, you think you could text him a certain, sure. I think he didn't want to talk to anybody. So he acted like, Hey, I'm talking, I'm on the phone, <laughs> you know, and he was nice to everybody who was there. Right. But then I was like, he only did like a 15 minute workout. I'm like, that's not championship material. Oh, word. So I was like, yeah, he's not going he- to He's not going to win it. Okay. I know, I gotta put in a little more right. than that. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Uh, just like those, it's like you see those little types of things throughout. Yeah. Like, that that's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool thing. Uh, the Nets Sixers, you said the Sixers better watch out. They could have their hands full. The Nets are a team that are kind of playing with house money. They're young. They're fun. Yep. Uh, the chemistry seems to be there. And sure enough, they, uh, take game one from the Sixers on that series. it was pretty convincing. 111 to 102. Ben Simmons, not the best performance. Nine points, seven boards, three assists. Hey, here's what I, here's why I worry about it. It was a bad performance. The Sixers fans playing at home were letting them have an earful. They were booing. Here's why I think you have to be really careful, especially in a place like Philly or New York, or you know, pick your spot where the fans are a little bit more vocal and animated. Those people, and they're very, I would say, working class fans. You got to let them do their thing. Like if they're and they're just, they're gonna nope. boo. Oh, nope. so you're on. Hold on. So Ben Simmons quote after. Nope. If you're going to boo, then stay on that side. That's how I feel. If you're a Sixers fan and you're going to boo, then stay on that side.
0: Now we're okay with that. Ben clearly doesn't understand what the Philly fan is at heart mm-hmm. because that's what they do. Right. I do not support it. That team has given you no reason to boo them. Mm-hmm. They have been fantastic all year long. Yeah, they've had their ups and downs, but management shuffled the pieces on them. And I, I said coming into the playoffs, that moving pieces, that many pieces, that late in the game is going to have an effect on them. But – from everybody in Philly's perspective, that is a team on the rise doing really good things and there's an excitement level around them. They don't perform well on one night. Do not boo them. It's a terrible feeling for an athlete. I, I agree. get it. We make millions of dollars and or we did and and we're supposed to be out there and we're supposed to be perfect, but at the end of the day they're human beings. Don't boo them because they don't play well in one game. Now they go out but there. That's what they're fans down. do. No, not that's our but, fans. But no, no but that's what. No, the fan is the fanatic. Like, no, nope. that's where it comes. Don't from. boo me. That's the Philly fanatic oh. is the ultimate example. Look, if I've given you ten terrible games in a row and we are underachieving, you've got a right to boo me. But if I come out there and don't perform well in one game at home, it's our home damn court. Don't boo me, man. So there's, you know, you were saying about that. So. I, so I experienced some of that throughout. It,
1: we've all been, balloon, mm-hmm. right? Sure. My, uh, biggest performance at Florida State was the comeback, the choke at dope. We were down 31-3. I'll never forget walking off the field. We are down 28-3 at halftime and walking through the tunnel and everyone was like, you suck, Canel. You suck. And then people were like, we want the backup benches. You know, like sure, all the sure. stuff was being yelled at me. I heard that and I was like, all right. And I kind of felt like this. Uh, then we come back and I remember walking through the exact same tunnel and everybody's cheering like, yeah, hey, what a color to go. Great time. And I was like, Kind of like in the back of my mind, I'm like, these are the same people that were booing. Sure. I think it's kind of like I realized and appreciated that, but I would have never come out and said that afterwards. It's just like I understand. Like I'm sure some of these uh, people paid a lot of money for their tickets, and they feel like it entitles them to think whatever they want. All right, so you know what? Ben Simmons agrees with me. Okay. Because that was his comment on Saturday. On Sunday, changed his tune a little bit. I'm sure his people talked to him. Of course they did. So he said, it's Philly. That's what's going to happen. I love it. That's how Philly is. If you can't play here, you can't. They're going to give you bleep. They talk bleep. It is what it is. If you're not playing well, they're going to let you know. But yeah. I love being here. I love the fans here. I agree with them because again, talking about like the fans experience in Florida State when I was in the Atlanta Falcons. Awful. If you're bad, they don't go to the game. I'd rather have people that care and that are going to be there in a full stadium.
0: And That's a different you. conversation. That's a different <laughs> conversation whether you rather have it packed and be booed versus have it empty. Uh I'm with Ben in that you know it's a great place to play and I support you coming out and saying I love being in Philly and I would rather play nowhere else and all of that I'm cool with that. But don't don't lie. Don't come out and say that you're okay with them. You didn't like it and that's fine. Nobody likes being booed. I think he should be allowed to say it and I think Philly fans the same way you boo somebody and, and you think they need to take it? If somebody comes out and says they don't like you booing them and they don't want you there booing them, you should sit back and take that as a Philly fan. It's just the pot calling the kettle black, no? Yeah. It's the yeah. same exact thing. Don't get, don't get all offended as a Philly fan if an athlete comes out and says you're poopy fans for doing what you do. You come out and boo them for not doing their job great. If they think you're not doing your job great, why can't they say it? Good point. I, I don't, don't know, know. <laughs> like, but I, I get it. it doesn't make his life any easier. And, and I all just kind of
1: think it's part of the drill. Like being a professional athlete is part of it. Like if you're
0: a college kid, I think. When does it a, help? When does being booed at home help? Never. Okay. I, I mean, it, it made me crater. Is, is like it, I was like, oh man, I don't want to play. Isn't is a fan's objective to to have their team win a championship? <laughs> yeah. Try it to be. be the best home court advantage you can provide for that team out there. Yes. Make make it feel like a safe environment where they can't lose. So if you're doing anything to hinder that and you're failing as a fan and I'm telling you right now booing your home team never produces agreed agreed with that so uh, and
1: it and it, dis, it disenfranchises the players correct. and they feel just uh, like like I did I guy it was like ah forget these people um I do always think, though, that it is the boos that are the loudest. And so I would say if there's 20,000 people in an arena, you could have 2,000 booing, and it's going to sound like, oh, my gosh. You no, know? Phil, the Phillies whole <laughs> They're going to be 20,000 no, they're all going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were booing because they might have caught in what happened on the bench, which I do think was a horrible look. When Amir Johnson was checking his cell phone during the game, late in the fourth quarter, uh, they were down 16. Uh, eventually, they would go on to leave that 111-102, and Joel Embiid, they look at the phone, and they're laughing about it. I thought it was a horrible, immature look, and I am totally okay with the Sixers finding him.
0: 100%. If you wanted to take a step further than that, I don't know how much Amira Johnson's been playing for them. I don't know if it's a necessary backup to have during the playoffs in case something happens, but I I have no problem with you suspending him for a game. That that There are a lot of distractions in any sports season. When it comes down to playoff time, your focus should be right where it needs to be. Laser, blinders on. You, you We laugh about LeBron going zero dark 30 or whatever he calls it um, because he makes a spectacle of it. But the point is you should be like that. There should be nothing else on your mind uh, at that point. And so to take it onto the bench during a game – is one of the most irresponsible things I've ever seen. I used to eat Snickers bars down at the end of the bench right. and, and stuff like that when I knew I wasn't playing, but I was hungry. Right. I wasn't down there playing tic-tac-toe or Monopoly or doing something like, you've got your phone in your sweats. Where are you even keeping the damn phone? Right. And if you're Joel Embiid, That's it, what I it, don't, it, don't bother me with that, bro. Like, right. Where's the leadership on that team?
1: Right. Joel Embiid came out and tried to defend him, said he has a sick child. But if you look at their notes, they're kind of laughing about what's going on. Here's a take that I totally don't understand. Draymond Green came out and defended him and said, so, so uh, Alex Kennedy, uh, NBA, uh, Twitter account said, if I was a Sixers fan, I'd already be frustrated watching this game. Then I see this, I'd be infuriated. Totally agree. Draymond quote tweeted it and said, why? You check your phone at work, right? Nah. It's different. See, that's yeah. why I don't, that's where I don't, like, that's where I think Draymond just needs to stay out of mm-hmm. it uh, and just not even go there. Um, but it's just,
0: I don't know, I think it's an awful look, and I think they got to be really careful, because I think the series, like you were saying, I think they've got their hands full. They've got their hands full. I mean, Jimmy Butler came to play. You know, they've got this interesting mix of of really good players, roles probably not clearly defined. The sense that I get, and I this is just purely from spectator, I've got no inside knowledge, it's a lot of people played their position during the regular season, Jimmy Butler specifically, kind of, Took the backseat to a lot of stuff that was going on there and allowed other people to be kind of the focal point of that offense. Never really felt like that's who he is at his core. Everything about Jimmy has never said he wants to do that. I think in the playoffs, you're going to see Jimmy take the bull by the horns and try to be the guy. Mm-hmm. That's not good because now those role we we've now thrown all these roles back into the hat and we're picking out of the hat again. That's something that should be clearly established by this point. And I feel like they always had this little bit of a struggle there in Philly as to whose it was and who was going to be closing and who was going to be the leader. Uh, and I think they're going to have some struggles in the playoffs. If they get it together, yeah, they can be Brooklyn. They're going to get more out of a first series than they want. But I don't know what the ceiling is for the team this year.
1: Uh The Warriors handled their business against the Clippers. Uh, Steph Curry went off for 38. It was the fun, the most fun thing about that was Patrick Beverly going on Kevin Durant yeah. to get ejected together. But like, if, if you're a team going against the war, I would try the same thing. I'd put, cause Patrick Beverly has that reputation, correct? Like, he's gonna be a guy that gets in your head, tries to talk trash. He's a good, good defender. Mm-hmm. I would, I'm like, yeah, if you can get Kevin Durant ejected every game, you might as well take your shot at that. We'll take that trade. Absolutely. you can get them both out of the game? Sure, we'll do that. Absolutely. Uh, but I think the Clippers just, are the Warriors, excuse me. Just showed what makes him so tough. I think Steph showed his health is fine. There's nothing, uh, you know, bothering right now. I think he's going to be. I think they'll they'll do what we think they should do, and that's roll through the series and they get back to rest. The Warriors
0: are the one team in the playoffs that can flip a switch. Yeah. yeah, minus LeBron. LeBron can do it sometimes. The Warriors are the only team that can do it. Everybody else is kind of who they were going into the playoffs. The Warriors will flip a switch. They'll be a different animal.
1: Doc Rivers said after he's great talking about Steph Curry. a great player. I was telling the coaching staff. I still think Steph Curry is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I don't even know how it happens, but he is. He's taken for granted. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I
0: do. Yeah. I do. It's a pretty fascinating conversation, too. A few years ago, he was the NBA darling. Yep, an MVP. He's only gotten better, and now nobody talks about Steph Curry. It's Giannis. It's James Harden. It's its anybody else. Um, and Steph is still doing remarkable things. So I think that's a pretty interesting conversation that we never have. Do you um, think
1: it's because the players aren't enamored with Steph Curry? Because, I mean, there is some animosity towards him that he didn't grow up like a lot of them did. His dad played in the game. Um, you know, he gets a free pass a lot of times from media. Like, he doesn't get criticized for his taunting and some of his antics the way other players would. Do you think that has something to do with it?
0: Maybe. Um, it but, could be that. in But that Kobe's dad on. Kobe's dad didn't play in the NBA, but he was True. a career True. Uh, a professional basketball player. There are a lot of guys whose dads were career professional basketball players, maybe not in the NBA. It might have something to do with it. Yeah. Um, it's probably more likely that he's on a super team. That's so probably that what you, it is. You're going to give
1: the credit or it's going to spread. It's going to take away from some of what he does sure. because everybody say, oh, it's the Warriors. They have so much talent on the team and it kind of gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell. So today is tax day, April 15th. It is also the day that Russell Wilson's camp gave to the Seahawks saying, we want to get a deal done. Uh, they've expressed interest saying, Hey, you know, we got one more year left in our deal. Uh, We talked about it, saying I can't believe he's at this point of his career already, and nothing has happened yet. I'm assuming it's probably the reason for it is around this time of year, you see a lot of people report to their camps. They're probably when they start the official workouts. And so my hunch is I don't think he'll get the extension announced today, but I bet Russell Wilson doesn't show up for workouts today. That's the... That's the extent of the hardball that he's going to play at this time. Is, uh-huh. well, if we don't have a deal, I'm not going to work out there. I'm going to stay in L.A. or you know wherever he works out, which I think is L.A. and work out there and stay in shape. And until I get a new deal, I'm not coming to Seattle. And where it gets more interesting is as you get closer to like the official mini camps, which are mandatory. What does he do at that time? And those are probably in the next month or so. Cause if he skips one of those, he can get fined. It's just a different dynamic. That's when every player has to be there. Cause technically these sort of workouts are, are optional, although a lot of guys have incentives, you know, for being there. But at this time, I don't think it's panic time for a Seahawks fan, but I do think it's interesting that this, uh, has, is taking place, this storyline, which no one saw coming six months ago.
0: Uh, I think you should be worried if you're a Seattle fan. Anytime you're, you franchise quarterback and is given deadlines to your organization. Yeah. There, there should be a little concern. I don't, on your concern meter, we can argue about where that should be, but there I'd say should it's be a some five. concern. I'd okay. say it's a
1: five out of ten. Okay. I'd say it's about, you know, about a five. It's not more. It's not less. I think there should be a little bit of concern. Uh, I think the reason it kind of is elevated more than just a two or a three is because you're hearing various reports that Russell Wilson might want to play somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, pro, from pro Football Talk. Uh, they had a league source that said the Seahawks think that Wilson would like to play elsewhere, even if he hasn't and would never say it. They also believe that this unspoken dynamic will cause Wilson to drive a harder bargain with them than he would with any other team. So no hometown discount no hometown for disc- the Seattle Seahawks. tax. Yeah. Again, though, it's like, what do you? I see. I think that Seattle would, should get it done. I, as soon as Brady and Drew Brees are gone, I think you could make a case that. Russell Wilson is top three and maybe even top two because right now you got to give Brady and Breeze the advantage because of what they've accomplished and what they do for a team. But I think, I think Russell Wilson is really close to Aaron Rodgers and he's more accomplished. And now that you're hearing some of the baggage come out about Aaron Rodgers, you're like, maybe Russell Wilson is a better, more consistent, Deliverer with that less injury history, sure.
0: that's younger. Like I think, I think it's a very fair conversation. I'm not going to argue any of that. I'm a huge uh, Russell Wilson fan. Yep. M- one of my son's favorite quarterbacks. Is, you know, he wears number three like Russell Wilson. Like I, I like him a lot. Here's here's what I to say about Seattle. They've had success with the model of cheap quarterback. Yep, you hit on him in the draft. Maybe you get a steal, and then you build around him with the rest of the money. The rest of the NFL has gone kind of in the other direction. We spend all the money on our quarterback. And now we're hustling and bustling to trying to find mediocre pieces to put around them. The only one that's really ever done that great has been, has been, uh, uh, Bill Belichick and company. And they don't even spend astronomically on the quarterback, but they're able to kind of plug and play in other pieces. So if there is anywhere, and I don't, I'm it's just speculation, if there's anywhere that might flirt with letting something like that walk and not having to overpay for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a team that may have just won their last Super Bowl with an economic bargain at the quarterback spot especially if he's already let it be known that he would rather play somewhere else that's all i'm saying and i this is just wild to your
1: point i wonder if because this is where seattle maybe their hesitation is because they won when he was the third round pick and they didn't pay him all that money they just paid matt flynn you know a bunch of money and then russell wilson comes in there and takes the job maybe there is something that because Their success has dipped since they paid Russell Wilson, and they're probably saying, "Well, we don't have as much money to spend around." And if you look at some of the stories that are developing, because the NFL is a copycat league, the Rams drafted you know quarterback first round, so Jared Goff still on his rookie deal. Now he's you know, but he's not dirt cheap like Russell Wilson was, but he's a cheaper quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, cheaper quarterback. You know, he's he's doing it. Some of these teams that have paid him, the Ravens paid Joe Flacco, went in the tank. the uh, The the Falcons paid uh, Matt Ryan. Dipped oh, a little dipped, bit, you right. know. Even the Green Bay Packers just paying Aaron Rodgers.
0: They, you know, We're talking about no weapons. He's exactly, got nothing around him.
1: Exactly. So I think it's something you better be careful though, because if you do try to go that route that road, you could end up like the Miami Dolphins, who have been looking and looking for a totally. quarterback and can't find one. Totally. Whoever gets Russell Wilson though you know exactly what you're getting. It's a question of, can you put enough pieces around and maybe the defensive side of the ball? And can you spread some of that money around? I don't, I don't know it's, it's, it's a real dilemma. It's an interesting dynamic that's happening in the NFL. Like what choice do you make? Do you want a top tier quarterback and have to pay him all the money and then take the risk that maybe the rest team isn't that good. Or do you draft a guy who, who knows if he's going to be any good or not. And then build around him? Right. It's a fascinating dynamic, a fascinating dynamic that's taking place in the NFL right now. Uh, so we'll have to see, and we'll keep you up to date on that. As, uh, as that story unfolds, uh Luke Walton, we pretty much thought he was done, right? Yeah. I thought there was a sliver of a chance when Magic stepped down that all that mess might have saved Luke Walton's job. But there's also the chance that he went in there and they had a talk and both sides were like, you know what? Luke Walton's like, I got an offer already from Sacramento. I'm going to go take that. And the Lakers were like, fine. It's better Perfect. Yeah, everybody's in agreement. It's like a good breakup. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so Luke Walton gets that gig. He's going to take over there. Sacramento, is this a good... Gig, We talked about, uh, Vivek Rondiva, the owner. They've got some young talent, but it just seems like it's always one of those franchises that just can't get out of their own way.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't. It, Sacramento, the jury is way out on whether they're run well or not. That dynamic and the, the, the demo of that team is better for Luke. Those kids are a generation removed from Luke playing. So there's no real conflict with, hey, I played against you and you weren't all that. Mm hmm. He still has that with LeBron and Rondo and and some of the older players. They'll look at you sideways. I played with you or against you, and I used to bust your ass. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing. He doesn't have that in Sacramento necessarily. So he'll be able to speak to these younger players uh, in a way that a coach should be able to speak to a player. And they'll listen and and, and try to act accordingly. Plus, there is some talent. There's some good young talent on the roster. So for him personally, um, who wants to get up and down, they want to run, they've got all this youth. I think it's a good fit for Luke. I didn't think there was a chance he could be in L.A. because I just don't think LeBron really respected him. Mm -hmm. And unless you're going to trade LeBron, and I've heard people say LeBron should be up on the block and, and we can have that conversation at some point. But if you're not ready to trade him and you're going to keep him there and try to maximize the last little window he's got left, I don't think that Luke Walton fit there. And I really do think there are only a couple names out there. I know they're I, – I did the news in 90 and they're talking about Monty Williams. Ty Lue? Yes. Yeah. It feels and, like the director. And not that. because of his X's and O's. And I'm not taking anything away from T. Lue. He's a great coach. I mean, I, he's, he's a good coach. I don't, I don't know that he's the, the, a mastermind, but he's got a relationship. They've been there. They've done that. You don't have time to be messing around in LA. You just don't. Yep.
1: Did you watch Game of Thrones last night? What? <laughs> you went into it? What? Oh, what'd you think? What?
0: The real king? Yo, okay. find out. Maybe yeah, I'm we'll doing a Game well, of Thrones literally. special tomorrow. Yeah, don't. <laughs> we'll i to in. do a podcast I'll go break special. it down again. All right, sounds good.
1: We'll be back tomorrow breaking down some news <laughs> out of LSU that's pretty interesting.